This week on Twip Weddings, many photographers start their careers by working at another full-time or part-time job while pursuing their photography career. On this episode, we're going to talk about making the leap from being a part-time wedding photographer to doing it full-time, and we'll provide you with some food for thought if you're thinking about making that jump. And welcome back to another episode of Twip Weddings. Once again, my name is Bruce Clark, and I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Mr. Brian Capricci and Mr. Robert Evans. Good day, gentlemen. Good day, eh? Good day, eh? Beautiful. I like we're, we're turning Robert into a Canadian. Perfect. Right to my Canadian friends. Perfect. All we need is you just need to have your Timmy Hortons coffee and, you know, start watching hockey and you'll be all set. I am watching hockey. Ah, excellent. Right on. Who's your team? Well, I guess it would have to be the wild. The wild? Yep. Nice. Good stuff. Well, we, we didn't bring you on this week to talk about hockey. Uh, we're going to talk about a different topic. Uh, this week we decided we're going to talk about um, making the transition to full-time. So I think a lot of photographers, uh, wedding photographers, probably start their careers uh, by, you know, as a, as a side job or maybe it's a, a side hobby that grows into a business and maybe they uh, work another job uh, while they're doing wedding photography and then eventually reach a stage in their career where they have to make the decision if they're going to transition uh, and go full-time with their wedding photography. So we're going to dive into that topic this week. Uh, but before we do, we want to remind you how you can participate in the show. We've got several different ways to interact with us. Uh, first off, you can visit the website at thisweekinphoto.com. Uh, there you'll find our show and all the other great shows on the uh, Twip Network. And you'll find show notes for each episode, and we'll put links in there to everything we talk about uh, on the show. Uh, if you have a question or a suggestion uh, for a topic that we could talk about in a future episode, just email us at twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. Or if you like to use social media, just use the hashtag twipwed, and we'll keep our eye out for those posts as well. And uh, probably the best place to keep up with us and where there's a lot of activity is uh, head on over to our Facebook group. Uh, and there you'll see lots of great discussions happening. People are asking questions and interacting with each other. So head on over to our Facebook group uh, and join if you're not already a member. So let's uh, let's jump into the show. And I thought uh, this week uh, would be a good time to talk about kind of making that leap, making that transition from possibly being part time um, and doing wedding photography as a side occupation to actually jumping in with both feet and doing it as a full time profession. Um, and is that necessary? Do you have to go full time uh, to be a good wedding photographer or to be considered a professional wedding photographer? So that's kind of what we're, the topic we're going to dig into this week. Um, so I wanted to talk to both of, of you guys and find out. Um, so I think. Robert, um, you've always been like photography has kind of been your thing, right? Like you kind of went into it full time or did you do something else in addition to photography? Well, I think my path was probably a little different than most today in that um, I <clears throat> started out working for a studio and eventually worked for three different studios before starting my own business. So uh, I got into weddings by accident, I guess, you know, I started when I was 18, 19, and of course I didn't want to shoot weddings or that wasn't my thought. Um, and that's what was there and that's sort of what happened. And I'm glad that I did. Uh, but I, to make a very long story short, I worked for three different studios, um, worked for one where I started, went to the second one where I was one of five photographers to the last one where I managed the wedding department for two locations um, 
and then started my own business in January of 94. So it's a little bit different path, I think, than a lot of people today because, you know, a lot of people, like you mentioned, uh, you know, start off with an interest in photography, then maybe start shooting some, you know, interested in weddings. Maybe they assist uh, before they shoot, which I recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they start. So, yeah, my path was kind of a little bit different. Um, but I think my overall opinion on this topic, um, 27 years later, um, and going through a lot of change in the wedding industry uh, um, would be if that's definitely what you want to do, you know, make sure you make that trans- with transition when it's right. Although I am kind of a fan, uh, you know, of someone if you do have some sort of job and you could do it, you know, on the side. And I guess you don't want to overcommit to, you know, so both jobs get uh, not your full attention. But I think it can be done if you have some sort of side job, you know, accountant, whatever it is that you do. Um, I think it's, or if you have a, of course, a spouse or someone that uh, has a very good job and you can yourself then uh, spend time, you know, making that your full-time job. Yeah. Brian, what's, what was was your path? Did you kind of, did you jump into photography both feet full-time right out of the gate or did you do something else and then photography kind of was something you did on the side? I was actually a student as I started uh, into my career as a photographer. And uh, so it's, I guess, perhaps a little bit non-conventional. I've actually never really run my photography business part-time unless you count the first year when I was still in university starting my photography business. I uh, was running it part-time then, but I actually ended up stopping my university degree to pursue photography full-time because my, uh, it was doing so well for me that uh, school for me was a distraction. It wasn't, I had to pick one or the other. I was kind of at that point where I either had to transition into being a photographer full-time or keep going to school and kind of slow down the photography business. And I made the decision to go into photography and uh, it's 10 years later now, and I'm, I'm happy I made that decision. So uh, for me, that's always been the case. I've always been fortunate enough to, uh, to have the drive and determination to work hard to make the full-time thing work. And it's always been that way for me. Um, but I don't think that that has to be the case for everyone. I think there's, there's a lot of photographers um, that I, that I know personally in the, in the area locally that are doing a great job balancing both. I just think that, um, I, I don't think you can expect to run two full-time things. Like <laughs> you can't have a full nine to five and expect to run a full-time photography business. You've got to, you've got to kind of like even out the scales at some point, perhaps at the beginning. Um, cause I, I coach a lot of photographers that are in that transition of going from a full-time job into photography yeah, so you probably get the question a lot, like, yeah, when do I make yeah. a leap? And, yeah. and that's the thing. I mean, I think at, at some point, at the beginning anyways, um, if you're just getting into photography, to abandon your 9 to 5, um, if there's not flexibility to go into full-time photography, it's a pretty risky thing. Um, entrepreneurship uh, is a high risk. It's always a high risk. Being Running a small business for yourself is always a high risk, and photography added on to that because of the saturated market is in my opinion, an even higher risk and, and not that I'm trying to scare anybody, but I definitely wouldn't recommend just going cold turkey on it. Cause I think that's a really dangerous place to be, especially if you are dependent on the income. Uh, if it's different where it's like, you know, Robert was saying where you have someone in the family that, you know, your, your husband, your wife or whatever, if you have someone else that is making the income that you need to live off of, then that is maybe a different circumstance. But if you are relying on your income as, you know, uh, as, as a, 
a income provider for your family, don't try to make the transition without uh, some time and some well thought out process for it. So I, I think, I mean, at some point when you start, you're going to be doing your nine to five, working your 40 hours a week at your day job, and you're going to be doing photography on the side. And I think the best situation that I've seen a lot of uh, photographers do is where they take their nine to five and they scale it down as they scale their photography up. So it's kind of like a teeter-totter where they're doing it slowly over time and they're doing it in a way that is less risky and it's a little bit more calculated so they have the time to move into it. That's the ideal situation in my mind, but obviously not everyone can do that. Yeah, it depends on what job you're in and stuff. I, I had the luxury of, I did that for a little while. Right. Um, particularly, I had a job that was fairly, um, I'd been there for a long time, so they wanted to keep me around and they wanted to keep me happy. Um, so they were willing to kind of be a bit more flexible. And one of the things in our industry um, was that over the summer, it actually was a bit, a bit slower. It was a bit quieter. Hmm. And so what I was able to negotiate was um, during the summer months from basically May until the end of September, um, I was able to negotiate a three-day work week so I only worked at that job Tuesdays uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays which left me Mondays and Fridays to focus on um, the photography side of things um, which was great because Fridays it opened me up so I could shoot some weddings on Fridays or get just get prepared and get ready for weddings on Saturdays and then I had the Mondays to work on you know the editing and the calling and stuff so I didn't feel as overwhelmed is if I was still trying to fit in 40 hours. So I like your suggestion of if, if you're in a job that lets you kind of manage both things. I have a lot of photographer friends um, here they're actually work in the healthcare field and they're nurses. Mm. Um, and great occupation because they can kind of pick up shifts when, when things are slower. Right. And then when things are busier, like in the summer, they can scale back a little bit and they only have to maintain a certain number of hours. And there's always demand like they always have a lot of shifts that they can pick up. So it's not hard for them to go back and forth. Um, so certain careers and certain jobs kind of lend themselves to that kind of job flexibility. Well, I, now, I even wonder like something that I, an exercise that I've, um, I've helped a lot of photographers in coaching uh, do is the process of really looking at what is the lifestyle that you're trying to live and what do you need in order to maintain that? You know, a lot of the times we can just kind of work our job, not really knowing what our what our needs are like what is it that we're trying to do and and perhaps if you're going to sacrifice something maybe it's that you know if you look at what your expenses are and how much money you need to be making in order to live the lifestyle you want to have maybe in this transition you've got to sacrifice some of those things maybe you can't be going on two vacations a year maybe you can't be uh, going out for dinner once a week maybe you've got to make some sacrifices here and there maybe you maybe you can't get that brand new computer or get that car or whatever it is but maybe that's the sacrifice that you need to make in order to decrease how much money you have to make and therefore you can transition quicker into photography that's another way to look at it as well yeah. So Robert, you mentioned your path kind of was a, a lot different back, back in the day. Do you think that that, um, the way you kind of entered the photography business and got into it, do you think that that's still a possibility out there? Or do you think that that door is kind of closed for a lot of newer photographers that are just kind of getting into the, into the market? Do you think there's much opportunity? And, and Brian, you, same question for you as well. I mean, I think there is, I think it, it becomes like a catch 22 for people in that, you know, like we've all heard, like, well, I don't want to train my competition, but there is the catch-22. I mean, I think if it's done right, you know, I had uh, photographers that worked for me and one in particular um, that worked for me for a good seven or eight years, of course, naturally went out on his own, but he did it ethically and in the right way. And, and to this day, 
you know, I send him referrals to this day. Um, he still is the one that will travel with me on a lot of my destination stuff because um, he likes to travel. You know, he, he, you know, has his own business, but as well as like he'll assist uh, too when he's open. Uh, so it actually works out really well. So again, I think ethically, if you do it the right way and you have the right intentions, um, you know, and that maybe is just the communication in the beginning. If you, if you're, talking to a studio and you're like, hey, look, I, I want to do this. Eventually, I'd like to have my own business, but I'm willing to give you three years or two years. Or I think it's an ideal way in apprenticeship. I mean, I definitely learned, um, you know, everything to start running my business. I mean, basically, um, the last studio that I worked for when I managed the wedding department, it was like running my own business, the owner of that company um, just had a wedding department. It was primarily a portrait studio. And I had all the decisions. I basically did everything of running my own business for, you know, about two and a half or about two years, um, except for being responsible for paying the bills for the albums and the lab and things like that. So it made my transition very easy. So I think it's a really nice way to go in and, and, learn, you know, how to run a studio, learn customer care, you know, learn some of those things, you know, for the three studios that I worked for, I learned, you know, I took little bits and pieces along the way. Um, so I think ultimately to sum it up, yes, it's, it's a viable way to do it. Uh, you have to find the right studio, the right match, and uh, just, you know, be honest with your employer if that are your intentions, or maybe you change your mind along the way, you get into wedding photography, and you're like, wow, I kind of really like this. And you're like, you know, hey, Mr. Boss, um, I'm really liking this, and I'd love to maybe give you another year or two, but I'd like to go out on my own. You know, maybe we can work that way. So if you're working for the right person, and I think you communicated, it can be done. Yeah, because being, you know, being a photographer doesn't necessarily mean that everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, right, Brian? Like, the, like it's not guaranteed that just because yeah. you want to be, maybe you really love wedding photography, but maybe you absolutely, like, hate the business end of it, and you don't, that's not something that's, a, you know, you're not, you don't have a calling to be an entrepreneur. Do you see that um, a lot? Yeah, I think actually it's funny because I was going to go into that exact sort of whole concept of, I think it's automatically assumed today that if you want to be a photographer, you start a photography business, at least, you know, in the wedding and portrait space, that's typically what a photographer does. But I think that in doing that, a lot of photographers miss the idea that running a photography business is being an entrepreneur. It's so much more than just taking pretty pictures. Yeah. We've dedicated how many episodes now here on this podcast. I've got 200 episodes on my podcast. There's, there's, hours and hours and days and weeks of education about the business of photography. It's more than just taking nice pictures. So don't make the mistake of falling in love with the creativity of being a photographer to automatically mean that you want to start a business. And I think in that process, it's totally okay to say, Hey, I just want to be a photographer. I just want to take nice pictures and be able to make a living doing that. There are plenty of ways that you can do so without having to take the burden of being an entrepreneur. You can go work for another photographer. You could be, we talked in a previous episode when we talked about second shooters, mm -hmm. you could be like a second shooter for hire that you just like, all you do is just offer your services up to other photographers to hire you out to be their second shooter. What a great way. If you want to be a photographer and just take pictures, without the risk and the uh, struggles of client communication and the the billing and everything that goes along with it, everything. Yeah. I mean, 
running a photography business, I say all the time that it's 20% photography and 80% business. If you don't have any interest in that 80% of business, then don't try to get into business, you know? So I think that that's totally fine. Like go work for another studio and just find a great flow there. Maybe you can kind of have a bit of an entrepreneurial input there. And maybe you can kind of, if you get in with the owner, you can kind of give some advice and say, Hey, I had this cool marketing idea. I had this, this, but the burden isn't yours. You know, you can just be the photographer and just kind of do like a 5% business thing on the side to help out. So yeah, I, I think, um, at the same time, I also think that, um, there's a lot to be said for getting that experience in photographing for another photographer and with another photographer. I see it all the time when it's like, you know, it's going to actually probably happen, I guess, depending on when this episode airs right after Christmas time is when everyone gets their new shiny SLRs, like the consumers mm-hmm. get their SLRs. They take a few pictures over the holidays and someone says that they look better than the pictures you take with an iPhone. And all of a sudden they're like, Oh yeah, maybe I should, maybe I should be a photographer. And then they just go and start, being a that seems like easy money. <laughs> like easy money, right? But you know, the the process of getting in, I, I, there can't be enough said about learning the fundamentals of photography and learning through experience, uh, apprenticing with somebody else, mentoring with somebody else, learning the ropes, and and building your portfolio and your in your skill set. I don't think you can say enough about that. So I think regardless of whether you want to be an entrepreneur or just a photographer, I think you should go get under somebody else's wing for a couple of years either way. So I want to ask Robert, so if that's a great suggestion and I think it's awesome. Um, how would somebody go about doing that? If let's say you're just, you're in that position, um, you think you want to pursue photography, what would your advice be Robert in terms of approaching? Cause I know a lot of photographers, um, a lot of the vast majority of them are <clears throat> solo, solopreneurs, right? They're just a single person. Maybe they're a husband and wife team, but they're not a big formal studio with lots of staff. And like those kind of studios, there's not very many of those around anymore. I don't, at least not where I live, there's very few of those. So how do you go about approaching a photographer and saying, I'd like to work for you? Because sometimes they're, you know, they're barely trying to, you know, keep their heads above water, let alone bring somebody else on. So what would your advice be in terms of, you know, finding somebody to mentor and work with? Yeah, I think you... Find someone I think maybe that you respect their work and that you like. Um, that always helps that you kind of gravitate. You're like, I want to be like that person. I really admire their work. Um, now that they may be a completely different person, you may find out you don't want to work for them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that, that's all part of the experience. Um, and and then of course, you know, the simple part is just asking and inquiring. Um, you know, I think there are some photographers that are standoffish and they think people want to steal and take from them, you know, but you have to be willing to work for free too, I think, you know, like put yourself out there and say, look, I really admire your work. I like what you do. I'm willing to come to weddings with you and carry your bags. You know, even just the few times if it's just, I'll carry your bags at two or three weddings. I'll, I'll just watch and observe. I won't take any photos. Um, but I eventually, this is my goal and this is what I'd like to do. Uh, I, you know, of course, over the years, I've gotten many of those requests as well. And a lot of times I, I would be open to anyone. It didn't always work out because of schedule or whatever, but um, I would ask, what I would do is I'd have that person come along as a third photographer. So it would be myself, my second that I was always worked with and comfortable with. And then I'd let that person come along as a third. And I would tell them, I want to see what you see. And it didn't matter the amount of experience that they had or 
you know, if they had a ton of it or a lack of it, it didn't matter. I wanted to see what they see. I give them a little bit of guidelines. I said, you know, we're telling a story, emotion. I want to see that. I want to see what your vision of a wedding day looks like. And then we'll review those pictures afterwards. And it's an interesting experience because I get people that would come to me with a lot of experience, um, and you know, kind of a cocky attitude, and, and they were usually the worst photographers. And then I'd get people that would come to me that had, you know, like literally like a meager portfolio that was almost laughable, but really liked the person. And you're like, wow, you know, good for you. You got some chutzpah, and and you're out here, you know, wanting to do it. So come along, and I let them shoot. And you're like, wow, like they definitely have potential. Like this person has an eye, and they see it, and they get it. Um, so I think, you know, if you were the photographer thinking about bringing a person on, you have to kind of have that attitude, like sort of be a little open to it. Um, and if you're the photographer wanting to do that, you know, you go out there and, and give it your all and work hard. And, you know, I think it's like one of those things, just like a, an intern or a PA in the movie industry or whatever, like you, you have to pay your dues. And, and there is a huge sense of entitlement in this world right now, I think, especially with the youth. I know I sound like my parents, but... <laughs> yeah. um, kids these but, days. Kids these days. Kids these days. <laughs> but you have to do whatever it takes. And if your photographer is like, go get me a coffee or a water or whatever, you know, you do it with a good attitude and a smile and you're like, here you go. And you, you do it the best. If you're the water boy or girl, then you're the best water boy or girl that that photographer's ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I think... That attitude goes a long, long way and will get you privileges, you know, better than, you know, having attitude and thinking that you're too good to do something like that. Yeah. And I think an important thing, if you're going to approach other photographers, you have to look at, you know, what, what needs can you help them with? Maybe they have, maybe they're good in particular. Maybe they've been a great photographer. They've been around for a number of years. Maybe they're not very well versed in something like social media or blogging or these kinds of things. Right. So maybe if you're approaching them, you can say, look, I, you know, I'm newer in the photography world, but I've got all this experience in X graphic design or whatever it might be, right? That maybe I think they... social media is a great example. That's like yeah. a great path for someone to be like, hey, I'm great at social media, but I also want to learn to shoot. I'll do your social media. Let me come shoot with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So kind of almost an, an exchange of services, but helping like what can you yeah. bring to the table to kind of help them, right? As a way to kind of get in the door to kind of help. Yeah. So Brian, I want to ask you kind of, you probably get this question a lot. Um, from, from people you probably see in terms of just, again, we don't have any hard statistics, but what do you see in terms of rates of business failure? Like people that go out there and say, yeah, I want to become a wedding photographer, a portrait photographer, they start their own business. What do you see? What's kind of, what do you think the, if you had to guess, what do you think the, the failure rate is Gosh, in terms of like um, being able to sustain yourself from it and earn a full-time living? Well, I guess, um, for those listeners that are listening that don't want to get discouraged, just press the fast forward 30 second button. Yeah, skip to the end. Yeah. <laughs> what I might share with you now might, might uh, scare you a little bit. Um, but no, I mean, I think if I look back 10 years ago, like the photographers that I knew and was associating myself with 10 years ago, and I look at who's still around today, let's say that there are, there were 50 of them back then. I maybe can count on one hand how many of them are still around. Wow. Uh, today. Um, and, and that being said in the photographers that I've seen over the years through PPOC or through teaching or through, uh, networking or coaching, whatever it is, the success rate isn't great. Um, but I think if I were to put a number to it, may, maybe 20%, 20% of 
will actually succeed past five years, maybe less than that. Yep. Do you guys think that number is high or low? That's probably accurate. Could yeah. you sum up, Brian, like in, in, in a short, I know this is a longer answer, but. Um, Are you asking me for a short answer, Robert? <laughs> right. Why, okay. Why the 20% yeah. are still around and the why of the rest of them, what mistakes, you know, so as a learning experience to us. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the things, I mean, I know that I say this all the time, but it's, um, I think intention has a ton to do with it. I think going into being a photographer, understanding what's going to be involved. I think a lot of us get into it, like I said earlier, with like the sort of rose colored glasses and we're sort of looking at it as like, oh, I can take pretty pictures and make a thousand dollars on one wedding day. That sounds wonderful. And then you, you kind of, uh, you know, get into it and it's just like, holy cow, that's not what it is. And so I think that is kind of the first time a photographer will get knocked down when they realize this isn't what I was expecting. And then on top of that, in order to be sustainable, you've got to have those sound business practices. I know I probably sound like a broken record talking about business, but for me, I really do truly believe that you can be a decent photographer with amazing business skills and last much longer than a great photographer with crappy business skills. Agreed. And so I think that having a good foundation in the business side of being a photographer is what will take you from being able to make it go at it for one or two years to actually being able to do it in the long term. Because at the end of the day, when you sort of announce to the world that you're a photographer, right? You put it on your Facebook page, people start to see you and maybe you get a little bit involved with some local community things. Anyone can drum up business for a year just based on their own internal circles, based on the little network that they can create with their friends, their family, people that they know personally. But if you want to have A, those people come back to you, so have repeat business. If you want to B, have those people refer you, and then C, reach a much wider audience so that you can have a sustainable business model, there's no way to do that without having sound business fundamentals. And I think that is where most photographers fail, not because they're not good photographers, but because they don't have the business fundamentals down. Right. Yeah. Um, so in terms of making this kind of circle back to the, the topic of, of making the transition to full time, um, what are some things, what are some strategies and some things that they need to keep in mind when they're trying to make that decision? Like maybe they've been at it for a little while and things are doing, you know, things are going okay. And you get to that stage where you think, okay, maybe I can make this what I do now for a living. And maybe it's because of the lifestyle that you want to live or because you just, that's what you love and you hate the other thing that you're doing and you really want to pursue it full time. What are some, I guess, tipping points or some things that can, you know, kind of help you make that switch over? Well, I think that, um, the very idea of just asking that question, um, is probably one of the most important things that you can do in the transition into being a photographer, because, um, I can't tell you how many times I've spoken with a photographer and I'll say, Oh, so are you going full time? And they'll say something to the extent of, Oh, I'm just not there yet. And it's like, well, what is there? Like define there, right? If you never really, it's the, the age old thing. If you never know where you're going, how are you going to know when you're there? And so I think at least having some level of understanding of uh, what is it you're trying to achieve? What, what, what are your goals? What are your milestones? What is it um, that you could achieve that would make you feel as though you're there? And then I think we need to break those down into sort of steps that are achievable. You know, if you say something like, well, I'll be able to go full time in photography once I can make an income 
of $80,000 from photography. Okay, well, that is a very tangible way to look at it. And I think the whole concept of it's called smart goals. I think it's specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. I think that's the, that's the way that it goes. Something like that. Um, so if you can have you know a smart goal, so, something that you can actually work towards and then break that down into pieces, it's going to be different for everybody. But I think income uh, and financials have to be part of it. Uh, you have to at least know what you need to be making as an income from photography. But then outside of that, I think you could look at things like lifestyle. Like for example, if you're a new mom and you know you're you're just you just had a baby, maybe now isn't the best time to try and transition into being a full time photographer because you're going to be busy at home. There's going to be a lot of distraction. There's going to be a lot of things going on in your life, and and it maybe just isn't the right time for you to transition into being a full time photographer. Or maybe now is the best time transition into it because you have your uh, EI, you've got some support and and you have some free time. But whatever it is, I think that financial is a big part of it. And then lifestyle is a big part of it. You have to know uh, when is the right time for you to transition. And then also um, kind of, I guess, related to lifestyle is like, what are your family dynamics? You know, like if you're, if you are a wife and your husband is going through a big transition at his work, maybe his income is going to be dropping for the next year while they transition at their work. Maybe now isn't the best time for you to be risking um, something like that. Whereas maybe your husband just got a big bonus check and now is a great time for you to be transitioning. So I think those kinds of things you really have to look at. But I think at the end of the day, asking the question, when is the right time and what are the conditions that surround the right time? I think that's a question that you have to ask yourself that most photographers probably don't ask themselves. Yeah, I know in the startup world, they talk a lot about um, runway. Yeah. Right. You want to make sure that you've got enough runway, right? To using the plane analogy, right? If you're going to take off, you got to make sure that you've got enough runway so that you don't run out of, uh, you know, a tarmac before your plane gets off the ground. So I think when you're making that, you know, that decision, you're looking at things. Obviously, you mentioned the financial, right? You need to take a look at what do I need to earn, or what are my, you know, next six months or five months, um, you know. Um, to, to get off the ground, to get my business, because in those first probably six months to a year, um, you know, you might not make a lot of money. Um, so if you're just kind of starting out, um, and you probably have a lot of expenses as well, when you're first starting up your business, there's going to be yeah. a lot of things that you need to worry about, like getting you know, legal fees and website up and running and, you know, um, accounting fees and incorporation fees and all these, there's lots of expenses that happen. So you want to make sure that you've got enough you know, enough runway. There's people that maybe sort of just sort of make this knee jerk reaction and say, Oh yeah, I hate my job. I'm just <laughs> going to do photography and they quit. And then they go, Oh crap. I've only got, you know, a month worth of savings in the bank and yeah. you know, I can't make a go of it. I think Bruce, just to comment on that. I think something um, that I've always sort of um, paid a lot of attention to is, I mean, everyone has this, uh, amount of money in their bank account that they feel comfortable with having and they don't really want to get below that amount, right? Everyone kind of has yeah. that number, whatever that number is. It's like as soon as it gets below that number, we start to fret and if it's above it, we feel okay. I think that it's important to, um, when looking at that number and when kind of evaluating what that is in your head, uh, I love the idea of runway and it's definitely something that I pay a lot of attention to because we're in the startup world here at Sprout. Um, I think if you, I think we should have six months worth of expenses in the account in case something were ever to happen. 
So whatever your monthly expenses for your business, now in that, consider things like ongoing, like your prints and your albums and those kinds of things, your overhead and your rent and your utilities, equipment, education, anything that you have for an expense in your business, whatever that number is per month, let's just say for, for you know, sake of argument right now, it's, it's $5,000 a month. I think that you should have six months of that in your account at all points of time. And that way, if business were to drop down, I mean, photography is very seasonal. So if you realize yep. now that business is down, if you want to ramp things up, you may not see the results of that for another six months because you may not have those weddings or that income coming in until then. So I think you should have that money sitting in account so that you always have it just in case. And maybe when you get to that point, that's a good indication that it's safe to come full time into it. If you're kind of just flying by the seat of your pants and going paycheck to paycheck, um, it's probably not the best time to be going into a risky venture like being an entrepreneur. I wanted to ask you um, about um, Robert, kind of your some of your suggestions as far as uh, if you're going to go full time, what are some of the pros and what are some of the cons to say, Say you wanted to keep your part-time job um, and then work. What are some of the pros and the cons mm -hmm. to that? Well, you kind of touched on it before in that um, you said, well, what if you don't like your current situation? Um, and I think that's, you know, viable. Like if you don't like what you're doing, then you may want to leave and go full-time. I'm kind of a fan, you know, just from hearing stories and people in today's world of, you know, if you can do both, why not? I mean, I guess if it got to the point, you know, where it was so lucrative that you couldn't, you know, say no, well, then I get that. Um, but if you could do both, like I'm a fan of like doing both of it. If it works for you, you enjoy it, you're happy, then do both. I think, you know, probably one reason somebody would make the jump to full time is it just makes them happier. And, uh, you know, maybe it is more lucrative than, you know, what they were doing. It all depends on what your previous life and job is. Um, so, I mean, the pros and cons of, you know, you are your own boss and that's great. You set your own schedule, you sleep as late or get up as early as you want. You have no one telling you what to do. Um, for some people, that's great. For some people, that's bad. They that need to be, be a con for some people. Yeah. Right. They need to be that. told yeah. what to do. Yeah. Um, and then I think, of course, you know, we, we talk about the business part of it, but, you know, there is, you know, especially within, uh, I know, wedding photography, uh, you know, there's always cash flow because we have seasons. And so managing that cash flow and being able to deal with it is a whole nother thing because it's, we've all been there and it's certainly not fun when the cash isn't flowing. You know, yeah. of course, it's great when the cash is flowing, but when the cash isn't flowing, um, it, it can be challenging and that's when you put yourself in a position where, you know, you might think about discounting what your normal rate is because you need that deposit just to pay your rent that month or whatever the case is. Um, so, you know, Brian's point of like, you know, having a nice cushion to fall back on certainly helps you to say no, if you will. In other words, you know, you're having a slow cash flow month and a job comes along, you know, you and you want to say no to it because you want to, you know, stick to your standards. I mean, you got to use common sense, but, you know, you have the ability to do that for a little while. Uh, so, you know, that's a, a very good business habit is just, you know, have that savings so that 
you're like, okay, well, I'm good for a little bit. And, you know, there's all a bunch of ups and downs in business. So, I mean, you have a job and if you have a job, then there's always consistency and you know what your paycheck is every week. But that doesn't mean your job's going to be there next week. You know, I mean, the way the world is, things change. Whole industries go out of business because of technology. So you have to evaluate what your position is and what you do. And is your, you know, paying nine to five steady job always going to be steady? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we, you know, we've covered a lot of stuff, but I just want, I think Brian had a, something to add to that, but um, we'll kind of bring it around and kind of try and wrap it up. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to ask you guys just real quick lightning round, one or two tips um, advice for people who are making that transition into full-time. What are some of the things you learned from your experience that you could, you know, I think something that I I would love to uh, sort of embark and it's something I've, I've written a lot about the idea of comparison. And I I just want, I think it's really fitting for this because oftentimes we get into this place when we're building our photography business and we are comparing what we're doing with what everybody else is doing uh, without necessarily getting context into what everybody else is actually doing. Uh, there's this great quote that I love to use, and it says something to the extent of don't compare your behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reel. And mm. you can easily look at your competition, listen to podcasts by us, look at people up on stage at the trade shows and say, oh, well, you know, they're charging this much for a wedding and therefore I sh- should be getting close to that. Or why am I not there or whatever the case is? If you're just getting started in photography, you're at a completely different point of your career as many other photographers are so don't try and use what they're doing as a point of comparison to what you're doing and i think that we need to stay focused on what we're doing and what makes most sense for us i know you said lightning round bruce sorry this isn't really lightning. That's okay. um, <laughs> this is brian's <laughs> version of a lightning round <laughs> yeah if i talk for less than two minutes that's technically yeah, a lightning, a lightning round, round for me yeah. <laughs> uh, but I, I i just i think it's so important because it's so easy to get caught up especially with social media especially when we're kind of like, really, when you go to a networking event and you talk with another photographer, most of the time, you know, if you say, oh, hey, how are things going? They're not going to say things like, oh, man, I'm, just, I'm not getting the business I want. I'm not getting the calls. I'm not converting people. I'm not happy with my work creatively. They're not going to say things like that. They're going to try and pump up whatever is going well in their life. And yet mm-hmm. we compare that with what we know of ourselves and our insecurities and everything that we aren't happy with. And so I just think my, my one sort of tip to close my thought out on this is to say, just worry about you. Worry about what makes sense for you. Worry about how you're improving. And the only thing you should be comparing yourself to is yourself from last week. And if you can just grow week over week over week, then I think you're going in a good direction. Yeah. Good advice. Robert, what would yeah, you think? I, I really advice? like that too. Um, and then I, I would just say, I think, Charlie, you, you know, you have to want it bad enough and want it more than anything you've ever wanted before. And you have to work with the mindset that way. And you have to, uh, you know, don't worry about being told no and just, you know, keep putting one foot in front of the other and, and make it happen. Because it's not going to happen overnight. But those, you know, little steps, one foot in front of the other over a period of time, well, then you can look back on your path and, and you know, see where you've come and where you are and where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. And good advice all around. 
Excellent. Well, I think hopefully that gave uh, people some some things, you know, food for thought, things to think about if you're in that situation where you're thinking about making that transition from part time to full time. Um, or maybe, you know, maybe it gives you some food for thought to think, well, hey, maybe I'm OK staying with, you know, this job over here and doing photography part time. Again, there's no one right way of doing it. There's again, we've all you know got different experiences in terms of how we went to, you know, full time with our businesses um, and transitioned into things. I think we all came at it from different approaches. So there's no one right way, but hopefully we've given you some good advice and some some things to think about anyway, if you are kind of in that state with your photography and, and thinking about taking it to that next level of maybe going full time with it. So excellent stuff. Can I close so, out with one final thought on that? Absolutely. Because I want, I, I, I can just see photographers listening to what we've said over the last 40 minutes or so and perhaps feel overwhelmed, but also feel like there's, oh my gosh, there's all these things I have to think about. Brian, Robert, Bruce, you guys gave us all these ideas and stuff. And I guess I want to um, remind the photographers listening that the idea of done is better than perfect in the sense that it's so easy to get into a space where we obsessively analyze everything and we almost do that to the point of actually never actually doing anything. Um, and, and I just, I don't want photographers to get into a space where they just don't act because they're obsessively thinking about things and trying to perfect them. Um, yeah. Action is the cure for procrastination. So just act and get in and do something. And maybe it's not gonna be perfect, but you'll learn from your mistakes. And I think that you'll learn more from your mistakes than you will by trying to perfect something the first time. Nice. So this is we'll insert the Shia LaBeouf. Um, just do it. Do it. <laughs> clip. Right. We'll just put that in here. So just get out there and do it. Just do it. Yes, you can. Just do it. Yes. Awesome. All right. Some good advice. Um, let's move on then. Uh, we'll answer a quick listener question because um, I know we've skipped the last couple episodes. So let's get to a listener question this week. Um, we've got a question that came to us through our Facebook group um, and it's from Miroslav. Selleck, I hope I pronounced your last name properly. Um, I am a wedding slash event photographer and I'm looking for a new computer. Um, currently, I own a PC with one 27 inch monitor. It's not a pro monitor. I'm debating uh, a switch to a 27 inch 5K iMac. What are your thoughts? First off, do either of you have the 5K or the, the new not. 5K iMac? Nope. Nope. Okay. Good. Neither do I. Um, I've eyed it up, but I've seen it. I've gone to the Apple store and looked at it. They're super sexy. They are very nice. Yeah. (laughs) What would your, I guess maybe not necessarily that much. I mean, obviously, yeah, I'd say, yeah, if you're looking at that, that's probably the best Mac to go with right now. But um, what would your advice in terms of making the transition from PC to Mac be? Have either of you guys made that move? I was by computer for a while because I used to run QuickBooks. on a PC when uh, QuickBooks back in the day stopped making the upgrade for Apple. And then they came back, of course. Um, I enjoy my Mac, um, so I don't have a ton of PC experience. Um, I would say, you know, there's going to be a learning curve, but I think, uh, and maybe some growing pains, but once you do it, you're going to love it. And, you know, we all know what PC stands for. Brian, I've actually I've never heard that what PC stands for. That's amazing. I'm going to be using that in the office here because all our developers, all of our developers use Windows machines, so uh, that's perfect. Okay, so um, 
my answer is not straightforward like usual. Um, my recommendation for both Miroslav and for anyone looking at doing a transition in machines is don't do it. Um, and the reason that I say don't do it is because I think oftentimes we distract ourselves with shiny new object syndrome without actually thinking about why we're trying to do it. And I think it's so easy to say, if you were to look at two things and say, well, hmm, I could grow myself as a photographer and maybe go to a, a workshop and spend a thousand dollars that I would learn a lot about photography and, and grow as a creative, or there's this shiny new computer that came out, which should I do? And I think that we get into this, we've talked about gear acquisition syndrome uh, a few times here on the podcast. And I think it's something that we are, um, frequently going into that sort of state of mind of mm -hmm. always wanting the next thing, always wanting bigger and better. And I mean, certainly I think that if you are finding that you are actually limited with your current equipment, whether that's a computer or a, or a camera, whatever it is, if you're actually limited and it's slowing you down and stopping you from doing what you need to be doing, then yes, upgrade, do it. And I think that Mac that he's talking about is a perfect, perfectly good upgrade. But I would also just encourage Miroslav and anyone listening to think about, um, do I actually need it? Or am I using it as a distraction from actually doing what I should be doing? Just a thought. Yeah, that would be my thing. Is it like, what's, what's, what's wrong with your current setup? Yeah. Is it just old and aging yeah. and time to replace? Which we all know that happens with computers, yeah. right? You need to replace them every, every so often, right? To keep up with yep. technology and changes. I mean, I think these days it's a lot easier if you want to make that flip between PC and Mac. So much now is web-based. Mm -hmm. It really, you know, a lot of applications that you're running are, are web-based. So it doesn't really matter whether you're on a, a Mac or, or PC. You know, a lot of the... Hardware devices, hard drives, printers, they're all compatible with both systems. And most of the major software that you use, like Office and, you know, your um, Adobe Creative Cloud and stuff like that, that's all, you know, cross-platform and, and, and whatnot. So I think these days it's not as much of an issue whether you go PC. Mm -hmm. um, I did just recently install Windows 10 on a Parallels machine. Um, no. I'm pretty impressed with it. It's, it's actually not bad. It's Well, because I had I have one <laughs> application that is an accounting application. Right that only runs on Windows. Uh, so I had to have some sort of operating system. So I just run it in parallels and it works great. And I'm actually looking at Windows 10. I'm like, it's not, it's not bad. Yeah. It's not horrible. I mean, it's not. So, so far I've seen, seen it's, it's been pretty good. So I think Windows has done some interest. Microsoft's done some interesting things. So yeah. So hopefully that answers Miroslav's question. Um, again, if you have a question for us, uh, just head on over to thisweekinphoto.com. You can leave it in the comments. Or if you want to email us, uh, just send an email to twipwed at thisweekinphoto.com. Or like Miroslav did, post up a question in our Facebook group and we'll take a look for those and answer them. All right. So before we close things off, we want to just share our picks of the week. And each episode, we will share a photography related item that we think would be a benefit to wedding photographers. Uh, it can be anything as long as it's somehow related to photography. And sometimes we stretch it. So we'll see. What have we got this week? Who's Who's got a pick ready to go? I'll go. Okay. Um, this is kind of a follow-up to some of our previous episodes when we did uh, Inbox Zero. Um, there's a new, uh, which I'm just trying out, but I, I'm liking it. Uh, it's called Sandbox, and it will attach to any of your emails and it has a lot of features built in where it automatically weeds out spam of course and you can send stuff to in what they call a black hole and it will learn it and unsubscribe you from it automatically uh, it has the recall where you can say bring this back to my inbox later um, it recognizes everything that's important to you so uh, 
I'm doing the free trial right now, but so far it's, it's really nice. And, uh, anything for me to just, you know, gain control over my email. So that's sane box, right? Sane box. S-A-N-E-B-O-X. Sanebox.com. Excellent. Good pick. Cool. Brian, what do you got for us? Okay. I'm totally cheating and using my pick from, I was on, uh, on twip the other night and i and i use this as my pick but i'm just don't tell well, people I, I, just, I just have it. to make them aware that I, just, I know that i'm cheating but it's so good that i want <laughs> all of our listeners to benefit from this as well it is an app called jpeg mini pro have you guys Ooh. heard of jpeg mini pro i, I think it's amazing so what it is is it's an app that's on your desktop computer they also have plugins for lightroom and for photoshop and uh basically it takes a jpeg as an input and then it outputs a jpeg but in the process of taking the jpeg in and doing its magic with it and then spitting it out it reduces the file size by like four to five times which is Hmm. remarkable and there is no degradation of image quality which is phenomenal so i'm able to Hmm. get and, and this is great for online galleries for when you're doing your portfolio on your website or when you're blogging for social media, it keeps the file size down without losing image quality. So I'm able to get a mm. two to three megabyte image down to like 800 kilobytes, which is amazing. Oh, wow. So oh, that helps like page speed. Big time, and... big time. Because hmm. at the end of the day, if your website, um, no matter how beautiful it is, no matter how great your imagery is, if it takes a long time to load, people are going to click away. So if you can use yeah. a tool like JPEG Mini Pro um, to save that much time in page loads, it's a huge benefit to us. Hmm. Yeah, Very cool. JPEG Mini so, Pro. JPEG Mini Pro. Yeah. Again, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Cool. This episode. Well, my pick this week is a, is a book. I'm actually currently listening to it as an audio book. Um, and it's called The Pumpkin Plan. Uh, yes. Have either of you guys I heard have, this? I have, yep. Yeah. Book. So it's it's by Mike Mahalowitz. I think I pronounced his, his name correctly. Um, and it's basically that he, he looked at um, f- as an example farmers that were um, their their main goal was to grow the the biggest pumpkin they possibly could. They're in these pumpkin. Comp- I guess this is a thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't know until I read this book. <laughs> it's a thing. They're in these pumpkin competitions and they want to grow the world's largest pumpkins. And so he actually took a look at that and 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 formulated kind of a business approach uh based around the strategies that these farmers use to grow the big pumpkins and he talks a lot about you know they go in and they weed out the small pumpkins and so you can imagine you know just sort of take that to to a business standpoint and you can imagine kind of where he goes with it so it's it's a really great business book and it talks all about you know how about being focused on one thing about eliminating the weeds or sort of the the things that are keeping you from growing that big pumpkin in your business and that big pumpkin you know might be you know, say you decided you're a wedding photographer and you want to do all high end, you know, Grace Ormond type weddings, that might be your pumpkin you're going after. And so to get to that big pumpkin, you need to start eliminating some of the small the weeds and things that are taking you away from getting at that main goal. So it's a really good um, business book. I'm only about halfway through it right now. Um, but uh, so far, it's pretty interesting. So it's, it's called The Pumpkin Plan. And if you go to pumpkinplan.com, uh, you'll see it there. And Bruce, you, so, said, you said you guys either of you read this book on audiobook? Oh, yeah, yes, cool. I am. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of have it on. In the that, that's a great so. way. I mean, those that are listening to us right now, obviously, uh, you enjoy consuming content through uh, audio form because you're listening to our voices on a podcast, which is an audio mm-hmm. form. So um, like audiobooks are a great way to get education, much like podcasts are a great way to kind of get 
a passive form of education, but you know, in, in a way that is still meaningful and you can get great value out of it. So th- this podcast yeah. sponsored by audible.com. No, so <laughs> but you know, I, I think uh, audible and, and audio books are a great way of consuming education. Yeah, and my pick from a few weeks ago was a was a library card, right, like get a local right. through your yep. local library. And our library has arrangements, and you can get free audiobooks and right. ebooks. So a lot of these business mm-hmm. type books are actually available um, to take out from your local library or through as an audio book. So, and it's yeah, free. Call. So, which which is pretty cool. So that's another way you can consume some cool. great business content. Awesome, good picks this week, guys. And I think we had good con- good discussion. So that's going to bring us to the end of another episode of Twip Weddings. We want to thank our sponsors for their support and uh, remind you, send in your questions and comments for the show and share your thoughts and join up our Facebook group. So what's everybody up to the next little while and where can our audience go to keep up with everybody? Mr. Evans. I'm up to go do a shoot, so I'm going to jump out of here. But if you want to find me uh, at Robert Evans, Instagram and Twitter, uh, robertevans.com is my website. And Robert Evans Studios is my Facebook page. And of course, come engage with us on our TwipWed Facebook page. Brian, how about you? What have you got coming up and where can we cool. find you? Yeah, so I'm, uh, I had the, the pleasure of, in the last episode, we talked about um, the Redefined Busy series that I'm writing and going through right now, as well as talking about Sprout Studio. And so we're kind of deep in that uh, Redefined Busy movement that we're creating, helping photographers um, gain more control of their life, take back their time and get better balance. Um, and so I'd love photographers listening to come join us on that. It's just a free series over on our blog. If you go to redefinebusy.com, it'll redirect you over to the articles. Um, other than that, all of my writing and my own podcast about the business of photography is over at sproutingphotographer.com. And if you're interested in Sprout Studio, which is what we talked about in the last episode, um, which is the industry's first all-in-one platform, uh, you can visit getsproutstudio.com. Awesome. Good stuff. And again, if you're looking for me, uh, I'm at Bruce Clark uh, with an E at the end of Clark uh, on most of the social networks. So if you just Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff. And if you're looking for my website, it's momentsindigital.com and you'll find the blog and kind of everything that we've been up to recently. So there you go. So that's how you can find us on the grand interwebs. So I guess that brings us to another episode and the end of another episode. So be sure to visit our website at thisweekinphoto.com. And thanks again for listening to Twip Weddings, raising the bar one wedding at a time. Mm-hmm.